I mean, yeah, if we've learned anything over the past like 20 years, I think the biggest frontier apparently is each other, right? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. The whole thing, everything that AI can do to help us understand each other, convey important stuff, right? And do so quickly and effectively, I think it's going to be pretty powerful. Welcome to this episode of Video Voyager's Edge of AI. We're your hosts, Audrey. And Rich. And this is more of an informal kind of episode here, talking about a couple of things that might be of interest to you here in 2024. But first, Odds, how was your holiday? It was good. I mean, for New Year's Eve, I kind of stayed in and just did puzzles, which was super fun. <laughs> I was not feeling being out in public. But Christmas was great. I spent it with some friends and I had like a nice road trip out to where they live and and we made puzzles, <laughs> which is why I had I did a bunch of puzzles on New Year's Eve too. Apparently I'm in my puzzle era right now. I mean, my wife is too. We actually she actually asked for this giant like puzzle table thing that you put on top of the tabletop. And like you do the puzzle on that and then it has like drawers where you can put like all the pieces and stuff. And yeah, we found out though that my two year old is a puzzle cruncher. He likes the feel of destroying a puzzle. And uh, my wife found that out after working on a puzzle uh, and getting about halfway done. And that was fun. Oh, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got I've got two dogs and uh, one of them is a puzzle piece stealer. And so like right now oh, I have no. a puzzle out Yeah, in my living room and I have to like put stuff on top of it to hide it so that he won't get in there and eat my pieces. He did get one. But it's not completely destroyed. I just now the colors are all weird because from his saliva or something. I guess it's TMI. So I can't figure out where it goes. <laughs> yep. That's disgusting and sad. Um, How uh, was speaking your of disgusting and sad. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of disgusting and sad, let's talk about my holiday. Our whole family over the past like two or three weeks has been sick in various ways, just various ways. And I think that's like across the country. I think like everybody, I'm seeing articles like on, uh, I think I was, I was on Vox or something like, yes, everyone is sick, right? What can we do about it? And the answer is like, hot nothing. Wash your hands. Yeah. Don't go out in public ever again. <laughs> just avoid people in general. But yeah, so the whole family was just sick in various ways. Speaking of AI, right? <laughs> I love that transition. That was a, that was a great transition. <laughs> great. Yeah. Just, I'm, we're, we're trained professionals. Do not try this at home. So. I've heard a few leaders recently in the CS space on LinkedIn and podcasts just start to be really honest about the appetite leadership has for scaling, even at the expense of customer experience. And that's a real interesting thing. Like when you start to hear them say the quiet part out loud like that, I think that's of interest for CS and customer ed people. And just in general life, I mean, this isn't just in customer ed or customer success like i mean when have you odds seen like scaling just in general life affecting your customer experience i mean so many ways but the first one that comes to mind especially because i was recently on a pretty long road trip i was eating at a lot of mcdonald's and i guess i usually don't eat at mcdonald's when i'm home but i was at just every mcdonald's across the southwest <laughs> this christmas and I didn't realize that they had completely gotten rid of like the whole cashier system. So like now you have to do everything on those giant tablets. And first of all, it is not effective. <laughs> I 
It's not effective. It was super confusing. And I've never seen such crowds at McDonald's. Like usually like they were extremely good at just like running people through that line. And then now that everybody kind of has to figure out this tablet situation and then you kind of never know what's going on with your food either because like so much has been automated, which I'm a huge fan of automation, but not at the expense, I guess I would say, of customer experience. And like there was this one time where I was so hungry and because <laughs> I'd been driving for like six or seven hours at that point. And like they just didn't make my order. So I was like just sitting, waiting and waiting and waiting. And then there was like nobody to talk to. I had to like go up to the thing and like wave down somebody in the back who was like making fries and <laughs> be like, can you help me? <laughs> so that was extremely frustrating. Like I just need a person to do it for me. Yes. Even established like nice restaurants where you like sit down like oh it's super nice i've got a seven-year-old and a two-year-old so i'm not exactly going to ruth chris steakhouse or something like that right but like you go to like a red robin or like an olive garden or somewhere like that right and now they have that tablets too now they're not that huge right but they have those little tablets that are always like sticky for some reason and like you're supposed to like look through it for appetizing food like this isn't appetizing. I'm literally touching some other kid's snot, probably like a mixture of that and like ketchup, you know, <laughs> to look at these apparently delicious foods. It just it doesn't. And like you're supposed to like order and pay and rate your service all on this tablet. It's terrible. And then, of course, your kids want to play it. Oh, yeah. Aren't there games on this? But I think we just discovered why everybody was sick. <laughs> and it's been the rise of these tablets in restaurants. <laughs> yes, restaurant tablets. Everybody touching them. And then, yeah. You I mean, heard that's, it here that's... first, folks. <laughs> I'm just coming out and saying it right now. This is why. <laughs> yep, the customer experience. Any, anything else that you can think of? Oh, yeah. I was thinking of recently also I had this experience with Amazon, which we talked about Amazon a little bit with Noah and how like sometimes you just want to talk to a person and sometimes it's nice and balanced with Amazon. You can get somebody on the phone after you kind of like go through this online thing. And we all know that Amazon's the absolute emperor of scaling. I had to go one step above King because I like so emperor because <laughs> that's what they do and they do operation. Supreme leader. Yes. Yeah. Supreme leader. So they do it so well. But I would say in some cases, yeah, at the expense of the customer experience, because I don't know if you guys have ever experienced porch pirates, but it was this is the first time I've ever had ever gotten hit by a porch pirate. I say that five times fast, where they stole a bunch of stuff that was coming in from Amazon because I was ordering like my family's gifts and stuff. And so like a bunch of stuff got stolen. And because I couldn't reach a person on Amazon or like navigate through their process. I wasn't able to get any refunds or anything. And there were some things that just didn't even get delivered to my house, but they said that it did, but it just <laughs> there was like no photo or anything. And you can't plead your case to anybody. They just have like a little form and if you don't fit into their little whatever the programming is, then you just don't get anything. So that was really unfortunate. I was frustrated. It didn't keep me from buying stuff from Amazon though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's what they're all banking on is that you'll still go there. And I guess, I mean, honestly, I still went to the sticky tablet places. I did definitely just had some Wendy's for lunch. So yeah, I guess they're right <laughs> from somebody. So, but bringing this back to creators, CS professionals, right? Like we should talk about it just a little bit, how people can future proof themselves 
2024 as that scaling is happening. So like odds, you're an amazing creator. If any of you have seen some of our stuff out there recently, it's funny. If you look at like before and after odds, you can tell when it was like just a few of us trying to just make something happen. And then like when it became professional with odds. So from your standpoint, like how are you future-proofing yourself and our marketing areas? Yeah, I mean, I do think it helps to be a nerd and to get excited about all the new tools coming out because it's really easy to get terrified. Like when ChatGPT first kind of started taking off uh, at the beginning of last year, I was a little freaked out because I was like, oh my God, at some point this is going to take my job. You kind of have to find new ways to bring value. So there was a time like last year where I did kind of have an existential crisis because I was like, oh my God, AI is coming for my job. I'm going to be screwed. What am I going to do? But luckily, I think just my interest in AI and like my curiosity about it really helped turn my perspective around because then I, I was too busy kind of digging into brand new tools and seeing what I could do with it and getting really creative with them to be afraid. And then I started to realize over time as I really familiarized myself with those tools, that I think by getting excited and curious about the tools, in a way, it has actually future-proofed my career. And I've heard that back also from several of the guests we've had on this podcast. It might have even been Bianca who said, or like one of our recent podcast guests, they were saying that they don't think that AI is going to take all the jobs. They think it's going to take the jobs where you don't know how to use AI for it. Yeah, go, go to the Bianca Care episode. You'll see a lot of really cool stuff. So a little, little plug for that episode there. I haven't heard it. Yeah, I think it was that one. Yeah, and also from a creative perspective, I know that there is a lot of conversation. So right now, I would say in the marketing space, I think in the content marketing space specifically, we've all kind of jumped on a lot of the AI tools pretty quickly. But when it comes to just like the artist, the creative space, so like outside of marketing, outside of SaaS and business, the conversation is still around freaking out that AI is taking all of our stuff. And I mean, it's not like I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it sucks that like a lot of people's art has just been taken by these massive databases and things. But I guess my opinion now is while that sucks, the cat is kind of out of the bag and there's not really anything we can do about it. I think that there's probably some restrictions that we could put in place moving forward for like what goes into those databases, how they're using your existing art and that sort of thing. But aside from that, cats out of the bag, I think you just have to double down on AI. And I think you have to get really curious and creative with how you're using it. The other thing before I forget that I wanted to mention on the creative side. So I, I'm a creator in my own right as well. And I have gotten so excited about the various AI tools I mean, Videate's one of them. It's not quite the use case that like as an artist that I would use necessarily, though I think there's an iteration in the future that I would want to be able to use it. But some of these other tools as well, especially in the video sphere, I've essentially been able to do the level of graphics that would have required a full Hollywood studio, like a full team of people. And I can do it in 15 minutes. And I do think we talked about this with in the Bianca episode, actually. But I think that's incredibly exciting because, as you know, it's very difficult to get something made in Hollywood. So by kind of bringing these tools to the people and essentially democratizing these tools and, and the level of design and graphics and CGI and like all that stuff, 
we're going to be able to see just a whole bunch of diverse stories, in my opinion. I think a lot of creators, like once they kind of get over their fear, and it's a totally legitimate fear. I just want to say right off the bat, I'm not like poo-pooing the conversation around like, is this bad or not? I'm just also really excited about the tools and the possibilities. So I think that once creators and artists are able to kind of move past that conversation into, okay, well, what is this all about? I think they're really going to be impressed and excited about what they're able to accomplish. And you mentioned scale. Talk about scale. Just a one-person team, essentially, being able to do a level of graphics that would have required millions of dollars just maybe five, 10 years ago. Yep. And you know, I think from the customer ed side, like I think that's exactly the use case for us for Vidiate, right? Like, you know, you have customer ed people who understand their product just, you know, up and down, left and right. They know what their people need to be able to learn this, but they don't necessarily have the bandwidth to create this massive library of video because of effects, because of just the work that goes into having good audio, the equipment, the everything else. Like, even in this podcast, you might have just heard a random truck outside my door or outside my window, like cleaning the streets, you know, like stuff like that. Like you hear that stuff and like that take suddenly is done and you have to redo it. And so I think something like this where it aggregates like, okay, here's your audio and here's your video going to the right places at the right times. And, and then it just creates the video for you and you don't have to do anything else, right? I think tools like video, the part of the reason I wanted to come here, right? A couple of years ago when I started here was because I knew that tools like this were important for CS people and for customer ed people and for people that did both. I was both at my last job. And so I think from a CS side, even we need to multiply ourselves. Like everything we do needs to be with the purpose of helping more people. But at the same time, I think. What's going to happen is this. Everybody's talking a big game about, you know, oh, yeah, we understand we need to scale and we understand that there's going to be a cost of the customer experience. They're talking the big game now. They're going to be wringing their hands when they have to pay the piper for that, right? And when churn happens and when customers don't necessarily want to say great things about your company because their experience wasn't great because they didn't get to be with your great people. Instead, they got pushed off this way, that way, whatever else, right? And so I think that those of us who are in CS, right, need to make sure that we are still providing as good an experience as possible and that our results are still better than industry average. So I think even if you buy into that, even if you're given that mandate to scale, right, and you lose some of your team, right, even in those situations, like you need to be aware of the industry at large and be able to say like, hey, here's where we're still doing this better than the rest of the industry, right? And a lot of that's going to be through AI tools, right? Making sure that your customer ed person doesn't have to go to a video person, doesn't have to go to a voiceover person, doesn't have to go to anywhere else. They can just literally do it all themselves and tools like us in other areas, right? I know we internally use a customer success tool that you know, provides some AI, like it takes the numbers that you put into it and says, Hey, you probably want to do this, this, and this for this person. It's not necessarily that you have to follow everything that it says, but it gives you some ideas. It's like having that extra person that's like watching out and making sure that things are good with your customers. And when they're not, and when it looks like they might not be raising their hand and saying, Hey, 
you should look at this, right? So I think from a CS side, from a customer ed side, like it's going to be all about leaning into this and staying aware of the industry at large to be able to see how your results are compared to that, right? Because there's going to be a lot of different paradigms happening and there might not be an understanding of that with leadership. We've seen stuff happening already, like on LinkedIn and stuff. You hear about a lot of CS people, a lot of customer ed people suddenly looking for work. And those companies, it's going to come time to pay the piper. And those of you who are still there, you need to be able to show like, hey, here's the situation I was in. Here's where other people in the situation have gotten to in the industry. Here's what I've done to make us not feel this pain as much. And I think that's how we're going to future-proof ourselves and then be the spearhead when people realize how much that maybe we've gone a little too far in that direction and that we need more personal touch. So that's my little soapbox for 2024. With that, is there anything else, odds that you wanted to talk about today or do you want to go ahead and let our good people go? I did want to mention, because I think one of the things, it's not isolated to kind of like the artist communities, like the creative communities. I think there's like a lot of fear all over the place because, yeah, it's scary. I'm not going to say that it's not like all this new technology and it's happening so, so fast, so much faster than we ever thought. Like we knew it would happen fast, but like not this fast. You know what I mean? And that is one of the goals of this podcast is to reduce some of that fear, to bring these kinds of tools and technology down to the ground level so that you can kind of see people talking about them, how people are using them, and kind of, I guess, take away some of the shadows around it. I'm just having this really strong memory of this song from when I was growing up. When I must have been like five or six. We had like a little tape player. And so like in the car on road trips, I would listen to like my little Walkman. And can't remember any of the other ones, but I can remember this one song which is about fear or like being afraid of like something that's in your closet or whatever. And the song goes like, but once you find out what it is, then it's okay. And it was really cute. And it stuck with me. There's like scary stuff all over the place. You know what I mean? But I think once you shine a little bit of a light on it and you get to know it a little bit better, you can actually see, oh, this is actually really cool. And there's a ton of ways that I can use this. And then while that doesn't completely take the fear away, at least now you're kind of focused on moving forward. And I think that one of the things that we're going to see proved out that's really important is companies that jump on the AI bandwagon. You and I have talked before about like sometimes it's a bad thing because you're just kind of throwing AI out there and then you're not really thinking about it too much. But I think that's better than doing nothing. I think just completely avoiding it because it's scary or like you don't fully understand it, I don't think that that's going to be very effective moving forward. I think we have to just dive in and understand how to use it and play with it and kind of get used to it also. Because honestly, also the more that I've used ChatGPT, the more I'm like, oh, it has no personality. Like it is not going to figure out comedy. It is not going to figure out, like I always have to go through and rewrite stuff to make it sound like there's heart behind it or to give it a personality or to like make it make more sense. And that I think is going to take a lot longer to do via AI, for example. So I'm like less afraid about my writing career. (laughs) Yeah. I think the key is awareness, right? Like awareness takes away fear, right? Or honestly, awareness sometimes gives you a path forward in the fear, right? Like 
the more that you are aware of what's going on, the more you can either, you can file it into, oh, okay, this isn't something I need to be afraid of, or this is something I need to address, or, hey, maybe I should run. <laughs> you know, like all three of those are valid responses. But if you aren't aware, you don't know which of the three is the valid response, which makes it even more stressful. It's a, it becomes a fourth possible response, which is just freezing, right? And so I think being aware of where we are right now in just whatever industry you're in, be aware of what AI is doing. Don't just do your own thing and expect everything to be okay. Like, be aware, go read books, listen to podcasts, you're here, great job, right? Like, this is the kind of thing that you need to do to be able to level yourself up and make sure that you're ready for that next wave and what, what happens here in 2024. So Yeah, and it's cool. Good stuff. It is. It's fun. Like, AI is so cool. I think one of the things I'm most excited about, actually, is the translation capabilities. Obviously, in the future, it's going to help with like space travel and all that stuff. But that's not going to happen in my lifetime. You know what I mean? So like, I'm excited about that, but I don't get to take part in it, aside from watching Star Trek. But the translation capabilities, I do get to take part in. And there are so many things, like, for example, nuances in TV shows and songs and whatever that are in other languages that you just don't get necessarily or like you have to wait until like a subtitled version comes out or until like maybe a fan who's like really dedicated and knows that language can come out like at a certain point i think within our lifetimes we're going to have this real-time translation capability based that's built on ai where like i can travel around and understand without having to use duolingo like i've only got so many (laughs) so many hours in a day to learn another language There's so much I think that we miss out on just not knowing the language of something else. And that to me is so super cool that I think within our lifetimes, we are going to be able to understand each other in a way that we've never been able to before, unless you were like trilingual or quadrilingual or whatever. I mean, yeah, if we've learned anything over the past like 20 years, I think the biggest frontier currently is each other, right? We maybe didn't know that people disagreed with us so much or that people were thought about things so much differently, right? And it's hard for us to deal with, I think, as people. But like, as, as we're starting to become more intelligent in the way that we process things, right? I think that's going to be a huge thing as well. And so, yeah, it's going to be exciting. The whole thing, everything that AI can do to help us understand each other, convey important stuff, and do so quickly and effectively, I think is going to be pretty powerful. So with that... Odds, this has been a great conversation. Do you have anything else you want to talk about or are we saying goodbye? No, I really enjoyed this. Also, I think what you said about the biggest frontier is each other. I think that's really beautiful and very true. Yeah, I think it was a little cheesy too, but I'll take it, you know? (laughs) I think some of the best things are cheesy. (laughs) Yes, I mean, cheese is delicious or else we wouldn't have it on everything, right? Anyway, until next time, hope all of you are able to uh, enjoy cheese or whatever else it is that makes you happy. And I hope you're able to really become aware of what's going on with AI and that we can help you be a part of that so that you are ready to tackle your 2024 and just become even more awesome than you currently are. So yeah, until next time. And tell us in the comments if there's a particular AI tool that you are curious about or an AI take that you want us to discuss. We would love to hear from you. Yep. Yep. All right. Adios, odds. Bye. That's all for today's episode of Video Voyager's Edge of AI. And if you'd like to learn how customer success and customer education leaders are using video to scale their support efforts, how AI and automation plays into their day-to-day, 
and what video technology your competitors are investing in, check out the newly released 2023 State of SaaS Customer Success and Product Training Videos Report. You can download it on our website at video.io. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye. Video Voyager's Edge of AI is powered by Videate, the number one trailblazer in the world of video AI and automation. With Videate, it's fast and easy to create, update, and globalize your video library with every new software release. Learn more on our website at videate.io. Keep up to date with technology's role in shaping the future of customer experience. Search for Video Voyagers on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to stuff. And don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review if you like us, but not if you don't, and stay tuned for more. See you next time.